you find this price, what you think is the right price. And now I want you to take that and I want you to reduce it by three and a half percent. So why? This has to do with the rule of expectation, which I just made up. Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron, and each week my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Last week, we talked about the fact that you make your money when you buy a property. So that basically means that if you get a great deal when you buy it, that will make up for a lot of mistakes, cover a lot of sins that could possibly happen later on. But by the same token, if you pay too much, I mean, what are you going to do? Like wait around for the market to change? I mean, as you know from our market research episode, that could take years. I guess you could put less money into it to fix it up, but that's probably going to make it worth less. So you just get into this crappy cycle. And I've known people who have hung on to properties for 15 years and longer because they were just really hoping that they could sell it at a profit. (laughs) And in the meantime, you know, stuff is just not going that well. So it's way better just to buy right and then relax. So my real estate clients who are new investors always ask me, how much should I offer? What's a good deal? So whether you're doing a burr, which is a buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat, a flip, which basically you fix it up and then you sell it right away, or even like a traditional buy and hold, you really want to know what the property is worth now. And to figure that out, you want to be able to figure out what it's going to be worth when you've completed your renovations. So how do you figure that out? Well, you have to know how much roughly the repairs are going to cost. You've got to have calculated a profit and safety margin for yourself. And then you subtract those two numbers from what we call the ARV, which is the after repair value. So that's like three things that we don't know right now that we're going to have to calculate the repair cost, the ARV, and what's a good profit safety margin. So let's start with the easiest one first. Many investors add like a standard 30% as a profit and safety margin. And that is fine for most projects. If you're an experienced investor, you have your own crew, and you know you know what's going on. And even if you're just starting out, if it's like mostly you know cosmetic repairs that you're making, don't worry too much about it. Because if you're not opening up walls, you're not going to find problems with walls. If you're not redoing a whole bunch of electrical stuff, then you, there's no chance that you're going to have to bring that up to code. You know what I mean? So these are the kind of things that can like bite you and catch you by surprise. But if you're just like putting in a nice new kitchen or you know painting everything, fluffing things up, putting some landscaping, don't worry about it. 30% is plenty for you. It should be more than enough. But if you're just starting out, and you're looking at a project that's going to need a lot of repairs, and or if you're planning to be the general contractor for the job, and or if you're doing anything that requires municipal approval, that 30% margin may be too low. So in that case, you want to consult an expert, okay? I mean, I wouldn't recommend being the general contractor for your first job. You may not want to plan to do all the repairs yourself, you know, even if you're really handy because what happens if you get busy at your other job and you can't finish things up, right? That increases your holding time, increases your holding costs. So let's take a quick little detour to talk about holding costs. Basically, while you own that property, you're going to have expenses. You're probably going to have a mortgage. You're probably going to need, you're definitely going to need insurance. 
you may need to heat it or cool it, or you know, you're going to have to, in any case, pay the electric bill and the potentially the gas bill and some of all these other bills. So don't forget about those fees. Don't forget about your taxes. Don't forget about all these other costs that are associated with doing nothing, you know, with the property just sitting there. Whether you're working on it or you're not working on it, it's going to cost you money every single month and really every single day, you know, that you own it. So if you're thinking of reselling it, the faster you can do that in general, the better. So how do you figure out how much repairs will cost? So first, you obviously have to figure out what repairs need to be done and then what additional improvements that you want to make or should make or need to make to bring that property up to the quality of the area. So what do I mean by like the quality of the area? A mistake that a lot of new investors make is that they fix up the home like to be beautiful and perfect, but often you're not going to recoup your expenses. Like if I, let's say I go into a really dangerous, horrible area and I create this beautiful home that has granite cabinets and, you know, beautiful hardwood floors and whatever. So, and the whole rest of the street is basically like, you know, a crack house, then it doesn't matter what I do to that place. I could put gold gilding and custom plaster work and it's still only going to be worth a certain amount. So you want to see what the rest of the neighborhood has, and then you want to go just a little tiny bit above that, right? Just some little tiny special thing. And we're talking about that not because you're doing the work yet. We're going to talk about that again later when we get into actually doing the project. But for right now, we're talking about it because you got to figure out what that little thing is and what it's going to cost you to do so you can calculate your repair costs accurately, okay? So keep that in mind that there's a limit to what any area will support, what the top price. I remember I used to own this house. I had lived there for a while. Okay, like a year. (laughs) I used to do these long flips. Okay, so I bought the house and I lived in it for like a year. And the whole time I was living there, I was having work done. I was having it fixed up. And it really, I shined it up really nice. And I brought it back to its it had what we'll talk about later, it had good bones. And so every time I would do something, it just made such a huge difference and the place ended up looking spectacular. But I got an estimate because I was getting ready to sell it. Now this was years ago. So the estimate, the guy says, you know, I think you can get about 197,000. I said, okay, random, whatever. So I said, okay, fine. And then because I was living there a little longer, I said, well, this is something that's going to bother people. There's no driveway and it's a pain in the neck in the winter. You know, you can't find parking. So I paid like, seven grand to put in a brand new driveway and have it all paved and beautiful. And you could fit four cars in there and it was so pretty. And then I thought, oh, I'll just spend another thousand and do some pretty plantings and all that kind of stuff. And I called the real estate agent back. This is before I was a real estate agent. And I said to the guy, okay, how much is it worth? He said, 197,000. I'm like, dude, I just put like $8,000 into the property. He said, I don't know what to tell you that nothing on this street has ever sold for more than $200,000 you are not going to get more than $200,000 for this house. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's eight grand that I could have kept in my pocket very happily because it did not move the needle on that property $1. Don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. Don't be that person. Don't make the mistake that I personally made by over-improving a property that was going to bring it, you know, thinking that it was going to pop the top off the prices for that street wasn't going to happen. So let's say, for example, that you're looking online at everything that's recently sold or and or everything that's on the market, which is what you want to do in order to educate yourself as to what could possibly, what this home could possibly sell for. And you look and a lot of the other homes, maybe 
all the other homes had like formica countertops. So you say, okay, I'm going to jazz mine up a little. I'm going to go with, you know, quartz or granite or something that's a little nice or just has that nicer feel to it. So that will make your property really pop. When people come to see that, they're going to be like, wow, granite countertops. So if your house is priced exactly the same as someone else, so that will make your property pop. But don't start adding like custom cabinets and hickory floors and things like that because you're not going to recoup your investment in that area. A lot of times, you know, the difference between granite and formica might be $500, maybe $1,000. So that's the kind of thing that you can easily do to differentiate your property without breaking the budget. So do that. Choose one or two inexpensive things that you can do that will impress buyers and then rein yourself in. Right? Don't go nuts. And often when you're doing research to estimate the selling price, you'll discover that a few properties sold faster or for a little bit more money than similar homes because they had some certain feature. So if it's feasible, include that feature in your renovation. You know, you might find it's like I said, it might just be something easy like granite countertops, but it might be a finished basement, which might end up adding a lot to your budget and it might not be worth it. So there's some pros and cons there. You're definitely going to have to do your research. So if this is your first project, and like I said, you're not a general contractor and you're, you're not a really experienced investor, then bring someone with you when you go see the property. You know, you can go yourself first, decide you like it, you ask your contractor or another experienced investor to walk through the property with you and be really detailed. Like, you know, tell the seller that you want to spend a half an hour there, right? And then as you start sort of poking and prodding, and this is a great exercise to do with an experienced general contractor or investor, because they're going to look at things that you did not look at. They're going to ask questions that you did not ask. And it's such a wonderful learning experience. So they're going to walk through the house. They're going to poke things. They're going to move things. They're going to shake things. They're going to jump on floors, right? And they're looking for problems that could potentially emerge once you start doing your repairs. So ideally, you know, when you start poking and prodding and stuff, you'll get an idea if the house has good bones. You can often find that out in the basement. That's why sometimes a finished basement is like a, you know, could be like, sometimes it's not even finished, but it has a ceiling on it. So they used to sometimes plaster the ceilings. So, you know, if you can't see what's going on below the floorboards, it can be a little bit more difficult. But again, sometimes you can tell by jumping. (laughs) So if it has good bones, that means it was well-constructed in the beginning And it's going to respond well as you make changes. So you're probably not going to find a lot of huge surprises. And even if you do, as you repair them, you're going to be building on a nice structure that's going to appreciate and respond well to the work that you do. So you want to make that list of everything that needs to be done. Now, if your contractor is willing and, you know, like if you're giving that person the job, for example, then they'll be willing to give you an estimate to do all the repairs. If you just ask someone as a favor and you're not planning to give them the job, then, you know, they'll probably give you like a ballpark. Oh, this will probably take 10 grand to fix. This is what I'm saying. But, you know, if they're too busy to get that done in time for you to put in the offer, right? So you're doing all this again so that you know how much to, to pay for the property. If they're like, oh, I'll give you a list or a price in two weeks, then that's not going to help you. You need to know probably right away if you're in any kind of competitive market. So there are some online tools that you can use. You know, you can type in your zip code and you can say, replace windows. And then, you you know, it'll give you a cost to replace one window. And then you can put in, you know, new air conditioning, you know, new HVAC system, and it'll give you an idea, right? So you can get prices on all that kind of stuff. It's, it's time consuming, but you can definitely do it. And that might save you from having to bring in the electrician and the plumber and the whatever, right? It should give you enough information to where you can 
can, and, and then like add a little bit, like add your safety. I'm always adding a safety margin. So the plumber says to me, oh, this will cost 7000 Okay, so I put 8000 in the budget. At least a 10% buffer for everybody because Murphy's Law, right? Because Murphy's Law. Because Murphy has a law and we have to follow. <laughs> now, how about the after repair value? So there are lots of free websites that will give you a general idea of what the property will sell for when it's at least as good as the others that are recently sold. And you've also been doing your own research. So you also have some idea, right, of what that property is going to sell for. But even if you expect that you're going to get more because you're doing such a fantastic job and this is going to be a newly renovated property and you just put in a beautiful new driveway, that... It's always better, okay, to be pleasantly surprised with lots of great offers than sweating it out with no offers or offers that are below what you were hoping to get and what you had budgeted for, Most, more importantly. The last thing you want to do is pay somebody to buy your house, right? So as you're figuring out what you think the resale price could be by looking at other sold properties in that area, you want to pick your price, right, and looking at Zillow and looking at Realtor.com and yada, 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 right? You find this price, what you think is the right price. And now I want you to take that and I want you to reduce it by three and a half percent. So why? This has to do with the rule of expectation, which I just made up. (laughs) So every buyer, not every buyer, many of the buyers that are going to come through your property to see it when you have your first open house, they're usually very educated. They have probably seen every single house that's been on the market for the whole three months that they've been looking, okay? So they actually probably know more about that little tiny micro niche of this property in this area with this many bedrooms and this many bathrooms. They probably know at least as much as you do about that area and what the price should be. So how is your, your how is your property when they when they come see your property? How does it compare? So let's take like a car example, right? Let's take an example of you go tr- test drive a car. Let's take a restaurant example. If I am, if I want a really great piece of steak, I apologize if you're a vegetarian. Let's say that I want a really good piece of steak or a really good piece of, let, this is even better, a really good piece of chocolate cake. And I go to one place, I, I'm looking online, who has the best chocolate cake, blah, 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 blah. And I see that one place, they're selling a slice of chocolate cake for like three seventy five, And then I look at another place and they're selling a piece of chocolate cake for twelve fifty. If I go eat that chocolate cake for twelve fifty, it is going to be like a transformational experience because like four times the cost of the other of the other chocolate cake. So I'm expecting to be like literally transported away to another place. I'm expected to be like on a chocolate cloud when I try that cake that's twelve fifty, right? My expectations are so high when I eat that cake that it would be very very difficult for the cake to even live up to that expectation. On the other hand, if I see the other one's 375, I'm going to be like, oh, 375. Well, it'll probably be fine. You know, I'm in the area. Let me try that 375 cake. People said it was pretty good. And I try that and it's like, I ex- I'm expecting nothing, right? If it's as good as like a, a Swiss yodel, you know, what do you call those? Like if it's as good as a, what are those little yodel things, right? I'm going to be fine. My right? Suzy Q, one of those little hostess cakes, right? If it's as good as a hostess cake or a hostess whatever, I'm probably going to be like, no, that was pretty good. But if I take a bite of it and it's as good as like, like a cake that I might pay $5 for, then I'm going to think, wow, this is so much better than I thought it was going to be. This is better than like a $5 cake, right? So this exact same thing is going to happen with your house. If I've just gone and seen every single other house on the market and yours is like $25,000 more than those, I'm expecting more. Now, it could be that those other houses got in a bidding war and they end up selling for $25,000 more and they're on par with your house. But 
because I didn't know that when I went to see it, I, right? I went and saw that house, it had this price. Now I come and see your house and it has this price. If I think, wow, this is the same price as the house next door, but it's got granite countertop. Oh my God, that's a complete no-brainer. I'm definitely gonna put my offer in on this house that's the same or lower than the ones nearby. And it's got some extra little feature, right? It's got whatever, whatever you decided to do to make that pop. Now, if you're in a great market, you're gonna get tons of offers and the price is gonna get bid up anyway. So you don't have to worry that you priced it a little bit below. If it's not a good, great market, if it's kind of a slow market, then guess what? Your property is gonna sell fast and that is gonna save you money in your holding costs. So either way, you're a winner. But you can only figure all this stuff out by, you know, and I refrain from saying, ask your real estate agent for help because you might think because I'm a real estate agent, I want you to call me. But you totally can. But that's not the point. The point is that you need to know the answers to these three questions. You need to know what is your after repair value. You need to know how much the repairs are going to cost you. And then you need to know what is a good profit or safety margin for that project, for that area, for the value of the house, for whatever, right? So if it's your first time, you've got to pad that a little bit. If it's just cosmetics, okay, 30%, you're good, you're happy, you're probably going to make at least 25%. But if it's your first project, give yourself some extra buffer. You know, pad each quote by at least 10% so that you're going to end up with at the end a bigger buffer than what you anticipated. Because like I said, the last thing you want to do is have to pay somebody to buy your house. Just to recap, now you're going to take your after repair value so let's take an example. Let's say that I, I looked around and all the other houses in the neighborhood, if they're as good as mine, or, or you know, if they're at least as good as mine, then they're selling for 500,000. And so I'm thinking, okay, I think when this project is finished, I'm gonna be able to get about 500,000 for this house. So I take three and a half percent off of that. And then I take my 30% profit margin off of that. And then I subtract my repair costs. What's it gonna cost me to make this house look as nice as those other ones on the street? And whatever number is left, that's what I'm going to offer to the seller to buy this property. Now, you can save yourself a lot of trouble if you then look up on public records and find out how much they paid, right? If you're going to say, oh, I'm going to offer you, you know, 275000 and you look and they just paid four twenty-five. good luck, right? So to find out what they paid and to find out whether or not they have a loan on the property, and if so, how much it was originally, you can go into that county's public records. So you go on to the registry of deeds in the county where the property is located. You put in the address. It'll give you a list of all the different documents that it has for that property. You can see the deed the last time it was sold. You can see if there's a mortgage on the property, that's going to be recorded at the registry of deeds. So you can say, oh, look, last year they just took out a loan for 200000 You know, they're they're not going to be happy with this thing because they bought it for 175 but they just took out a loan for 200000 Now they're into it for 375 I don't really want to pay that much. I'm not going to bother, right? So do your research ahead of time. You're going to need Zillow or Realtor.com, and you're going to need probably the registry of deeds for the county in which the property is located. So what do you think? Are you ready to go out and do it and play some offers? Next week, let's talk a little bit about working with contractors good ways to work with contractors, tips and tricks of how to work with contractors, and just in general, some tools that you can use because no matter what, you're probably going to have to at least get the advice of some contractors to do this type of a project, unless you're taking on something that's really just cosmetics 
or of course, if you're a contractor yourself. In the meantime, have a great week. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. I'm here to serve you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.